The intel agency's influence on Hollywood, the CIA's fake vaccination program, and we deconstruct some more mainstream media propaganda all on this episode of the Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Perez. Monica, how are you? Fantastic. How are you today? I'm good. Your audio is a little distorted at the moment. Really? Oh, now it sounds a lot better. Is it? Okay. Yes, it does. It sounds a lot better right there. Good. So how are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm good. It's hot outside. I just took my dog to the vet. I think he was overheating a little bit. Oh, and he's thing. okay now. He's okay. I loved your point about Alexa. When when you say to Alexa, you're hot, she should say, unplug me for a while. And instead, she says, who the hell do you think you are? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> such a good point like if i tell alexa she's hot i don't want her bitching at me i want her to turn herself off the story is that the un did a study into the effects of men making technology and how basically they want alexa to be a feminist and i had seen a uh, a petition a few months ago where people wanted alexa they wanted apple and they wanted amazon to reprogram alexa and siri so that they would fight back against men who talk down to them. So like every time a guy, you know, would say something that it might be programmed to find derogatory, then it would give that guy a lecture about sexual harassment. That's really an item that anybody wants in their house, something that's going to lecture them every time they talk down to right. him. And one of the examples was that, that this writer found offensive was that when you say Alexa, you're hot. Alexa's flattered by it and says like, oh, thank you very much or whatever, and, and the writer was offended by that, and I, I thought it was odd because these smart devices actually get hot. So if you say Alexa, you're hot. It should, it should like Monica said, it should say unplug me. I don't, you know, I don't want to blow up. I don't want to blow your house up. Yeah, and I think if that's the response every time, then the person would stop telling his Alexa that it's hot. Well, you have he, to smell a rat anyway about when a, a device like is getting from the UN how to interact with its consumers or like when Gillette tells its customers that they suck, you know, yeah, yeah. when, when that's happening, you have to realize that we are not in a free market system. There's yeah. something going on that has nothing to do with free market, give and take pricing mechanisms, supply and demand. The customer is always right. That's not happening. And who wants a smart device that's going to bitch at you all the time? I don't even want smart devices. I'm telling you, I don't even want them anymore. And it's absurd, too, because people, when they say, Alexa, you're hot, women do it, too, because you're just seeing how the thing reacts. It's, well, nobody's, it's not like a serious thing. The Until other they, thing it, was, was really, it looked like it was a setup, where if you said to her, you're a slut, yeah. she says, oh, I'm blushing? Yeah, she I mean, is I'm a no slut, feminist. <laughs> even if somebody said that to me, I wouldn't be like, oh, oh, you do go on. I'm yeah. blushing. <laughs> SDF up, you a-hole. And uh, you know what I mean? So whoever programmed her like that programmed her as as somebody that would – that was a, a provocative response in its submissiveness. Yeah. Nobody wants that as a like a recommend. Oh, could you could you put that as a recommendation on my resume that I'm a slut? <laughs> Thank you so much. 
I just I just think it's an inappropriate response on her part. It's a total. You're right. It's a setup. It's a total inappropriate yeah. response. They're, I mean, they're projecting. Would you say that? Would you say yeah. that to your sister and she would say, oh, I'm blushing. God, you look like a total <laughs> slut today. What have you been doing <laughs> working out? They say thought. That's the uh, today's version of that. Like the thought. digital slut is the thought. T-H-O-T, I guess. No, I didn't know that. I know. It's very it's, – it's probably so young – it's illegal. Like the kids using the expression are probably absolutely underage. That is what kids. I, believe, use I think the it's slut the, now. I think it's the digital version of a slut. Thongy yeah. selfies. Yeah. You know, if your selfies just go too far, or not far, you know. Well, yeah, they go too far, then they're going to end up on um, your, your porn. own. Yeah. Yes, yes, they'll pull them off. So if you're like kids have more than one social media account, I hate to tell people this, but they have a shadow account that they use to put their thought pictures up, which is not a good thing. Being a thought is not a good thing. They don't do it on purpose. Yeah, your kids do have a social media account that. Yes, not- I don't want to. I can't. <laughs> I can assure you of that. I can't. My not you. Everybody's I, kids. Yes, I know. My level of exhaustion in trying to figure this out and how to deal with it is it's making me fear the collapse of society because if I can't keep up with it and I have basically endless energy, I I just, I can't imagine anybody, you know, unless we're just so completely more than we're three standard deviations from the mean of what's normal, but I don't believe it because I was just talking to another mom and I said, Oh yeah, I coined a term screen induced psychosis. And when, when the event was over, whatever, she's like, what was that word again? I have to write that down. I was like, yeah, you have to write it down because it's real and we've all got these problems. So what, what's next? I do not know. I think what they're going to be trying to go for is the ultimate virtual reality reality. That's really the only way it can go. With the, when we're already attached, we're already cyborgs, basically. So if they want us to actually step into this digital world that we have attached to our face, and they have to create the virtual or augmented reality world around us, and uh-huh. I go back to the DARPA contact lenses that they're working on, where you put these contact lenses on that have little nano flexible batteries in them, and you see an augmented reality through these contact lenses. Who's to say that these aren't just somehow put into everyday contact lenses when people might not even realize? Oh, like how all TVs are going to have cameras in them? Might now already. Oh, yeah, I'm sure most of them do at this point. But look, uh, so I'm thinking Snapchat, which I think is a lot about location data, it's – I wouldn't be surprised if they entice, however they do it, the, these kids to put every kind of – just put up thousands of selfies, body shots, take pictures of each other. You know what I mean? There's just – it's just out of control. I don't know if people realize this. The selfie thing is out of control. Yeah. But that – boy, talk about an education for the deep fake program. It's machine learning. I was I, I, right with you. I was listening to something about that yesterday about how easy it is for these programs to learn people's faces and people's voices, that it only takes a handful of uh, like a minute of video. And I'm saying beyond that, if they take all of these millions of kids who are putting up thousands of unique pictures of themselves – the the ability for the machine to understand how to create a person out of whole cloth 
because so when you were saying that you saw how they put they they are teaching us how to recognize deep fakes yeah that's only because they now make deep fakes that are unrecognizable and i'm saying they're doing that it, it's not believable to me that deep fakes are recognizable the way we were just told last week we could recognize them look you see it's a green screen or her nose is out of whack or her eyeballs are too even it's like you're teaching me stuff that you've definitely figured out how to overcome. Yeah. And with with probably billions of pictures of people, they can uh, – my guess is that they can get to that level of nuance and distinctiveness in their fakes. Oh, yeah. You know, they're just taking that as being like, okay, this is how many variations there are in any single person – this is how it varies. Like every single person varies by this degree from hip to thigh. You know what I mean? Like they could learn that from all those pictures. Yeah, and they can when create you, you, a fake you person. Would, yeah, you would never – before the selfie experience, before the smartphone, you just – there just didn't exist nine million pictures of a uh, 13-year-old's right hip, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's just every – when they take their graduation pictures, it's like a million pictures. My daughter had a birthday party the other day, and the first half hour of the party was everybody taking pictures of themselves and each other. I mean the pictures were all of people with phones. Yeah. There were no pictures of people. There were pictures of people taking pictures. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like there wasn't like five people in a picture. Let's get a picture. They yeah. were all – I mean it was – I did, if they were looking at the pictures, their pictures looked ridiculous. People better start printing those pictures out or they're going to be gone. Oh, I have my husband every so often make me, like for my birthday, uh, a like a catalog, a real picture, like a picture book for yeah. when for when the whatever, 15,000 pictures, probably more than that, that we have blink out when the, quote, Iranian EMP comes. Yeah. <laughs> We and might see an You might see what? We might see an EMP. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's out of the question. They can wipe out our history. That's why I have probably 1,000 books. Yeah, I got a lot of books too. I have a lot of books, a lot of papers. I don't like the cloud, and Apple tries to force me onto it. I don't like yes. it at all. Yeah. So today I want to go through a CFR panel discussion and uh, – a couple of other things if we have time, but this panel discussion is called A National Intelligence Strategy for a New Technological Age, and it was last week on June 10th, and the people participating in it – you see if you recognize any of the names – is Richard Ledgett Jr. He was a former deputy director at the National Security Agency, and he works for Haikut, H-A-K-L-U-Y-T and Company. He's a senior advisor there. Michael Morell, a senior cons uh, counselor at Beacon Global Strategies and the former deputy director of the CIA. Amy Ziegart, she was or is a senior fellow professor of political science. And uh, where does it say? I've heard Stanford of her. University. Yeah, I've heard of her. Uh, oh, yeah. Did you take her classes when you no. were there? Uh -uh. And she's a senior fellow at the Hoover Institute mm -hmm. and the moderator is Massimo F.T. Calabrese, Washington Bureau Chief of Time Magazine, and they're discussing 
advanced threats facing the intelligence agencies posed by breakthrough technology. So how this new technology <laughs> is going to threaten the intelligence agencies. Which creates the technology. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was some really interesting stuff in there. I only pulled a little bit of it, but um, I think you'll find some of it interesting. If they say Palantir, I'm just going to think we are already living in the Matrix. You know, they might have they might have talked about Palantir. It wouldn't surprise me. I didn't pull any clips about it. I only got to listen to about half of it so far. So they, they were going in that direction, though. What they did talk about is they talked a lot about how the intelligence agencies and the government influences film in Hollywood, which I think everybody knows a little bit of, but they were very open about just how, how far they go, and that's what they're discussing in this clip here. When I was uh, doing the, um, the Snowden Task Force, um, we recruited the deputy um, public affairs officer from the Naval Criminal Investigation Service, came up and worked with me, a guy named Paul, and one day in July, we're sitting around talking about, gosh, we need, we need, we need an NCIS-like character or or show about NSA sort of you know show people that we're not trolls who live in the basement and read grandma's email and um, so he called he called the TV show and we actually had a session with uh, the writers the producers and we had four of our female analysts who sat down and talked via video conference with them and the character played by Emily Wickersham was generated from that so that is the sum total of NSA's um, reach out <laughs> to the private sector, to the entertainment sector in that space. And CIA, CIA, CIA's got a much more. CIA history. has a little bit yeah. more experience than that, but I'll tell you, the the IC has nowhere near the experience that DoD has yeah. with working with Hollywood right, and making themselves look good by supporting movies that are made, films that are made. Top about, Gun, absolutely. Well, let me just follow up on that a little bit, uh, Rick. Uh, the, you're, you're saying that's the only example you know of of the NSA working with Hollywood to produce content for the movies. Is that what you're saying? For uh, TV, yeah. For TV. Yep. Mike, the CIA does more of that? Mm -hmm. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like Zero Dark Thirty. Right, and there was yeah. there was some there was some controversy around that. Right, right. Um, but you know, usually when somebody makes a movie about CIA, um, makes a TV series about CIA, CIA will open the doors and allow the producer and some of the main actors to come in right. and get a feel. FBI of the place, does right? a ton of that too. Absolutely. So, right. um, but nowhere near the making of of resources available right, to the film companies as DoD does. But that, I think it's just worth. You know, I think maybe the public doesn't generally know that there is often a robust collaboration between the federal government and the entertainment industry in the production of characters and perhaps plot lines and so forth. <laughs> production of characters and plot lines, robust <laughs> like, collaboration. Like the uh, pilot of Lone Gunman. Yeah, there Listen. you go. And uh, and it's always a tell that well, these gunmen, guys. If you haven't seen it, there is a 9/11 scene where they just about crash a plane into the World Trade Center towers. But this show aired before 9/11, six like months a, before. Six it was a, it was before. a spinoff of X Files. Yeah. And the pilot episode was them panicking as a plane was headed towards the twin towers. And this six months later, Donald Rumsfeld, Condoleezza Rice, Bush are like, well. Who would have thought? <laughs> and the and the architects who built the pl the towers said, we built them to with withstand the impact of planes that size. Yeah. And Rumsfeld's like, we had our radar pointing out. 
(laughs) He literally said that. But you know these guys are serious. Real insiders when they call it CIA and not the CIA. Oh, yeah. Did you catch that? I did not. Nice catch. Have you noticed that? Yeah. You've noticed that, right? I have not. Oh, my gosh. When that Haspel, Gina Haspel was – Getting what she is she the head of the CIA now or is yeah is she I the so. FBI? I think she's CIA. Yeah, I think so. But she says CIA, and it makes her it makes me feel like she's a really like a Jessica Lang character about playing the role of a CIA director, and it, like like um today there was a hearing. And, uh, about reparations, slave reparations in Congress, and they had all these actors who played the roles of people <laughs> in history who might Are you have serious. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was crazy, and I think it was Jessica Lang who started crying for the farmers. I guess maybe this wasn't a reparation thing; it was a farmer thing. But yeah. she she did such a great job as seeming like personally devastated by. The neglect of rural America, which, of course, is a way of saying we need to plow rural America under because we have been neglecting them from being absorbed by the Borg. Yeah. But her but her her acting was so fantastic, like she was truly uh, crying. And I mean, it was. It was clear that she was acting because if the actual person if that person were like the son of a farmer or whatever, some actual person suffering from that absolutely would not have been crying like that. He would be I like, mean, okay, calm down. Even we're not this upset about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it was like, she was crying at a funeral. Like mm-hmm. she was just, they, somebody told her to emote and dag nabbit. She was going to emote, Yeah, <laughs> but it's just like, when you hear them say CIA, I feel like you're playing a CIA guy. Aren't you? <laughs> like You're not really a CIA guy. Yeah, that's a good point. I've never noticed that. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I can't believe Comey doesn't do it. But he was F, FBI. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, did you ever watch the movie person, the TV show Person of Interest? I've seen it. Yes. You you know what the premise is? Isn't that the like, ever the open source type investigation, or is it's that a the, different one? It's called the Machine. They the guy, some master programmer built a machine which yeah. is a program that takes all of the audio like from shot stopper and all of the video from every camera in the city private and public and it implements total information awareness yeah he's trying to find it who killed his daughter isn't that what the his motivation is It's a, isn't a, a guy who has divorced with his wife, isn't that the main guy who created it? I don't think so. Maybe oh, a different show. you think Jim Caviezel? Is that? No, no, no. That's definitely not. Definitely not. Okay, go on. I think no. I know what you're talking about. No. And they, but they, but the whole entire point of the show is to show you that the total surveillance state is a, is a, um, a silent benefactor to us that is they're using this power to find our the people who hurt us and in a lot of cases they can do it before you get hurt which is so great oh they can stop it before it happens wow because they're way they're one step ahead of the bad guy because they can see where they're headed they saw them load their guns 
and they and they know that they've got a beef with some guy, but that he's with his daughter and everyone's yeah. going to die. So they get there ahead of time, but they do it silently. Like you don't know they're doing it. So this is the theme that's emerging a lot. Like with Iran, I heard Peter King, I think is the name of the congressman from New York. And I believe Pompeo said the exact same thing and basically the same words, which is us sending thousands of troops over to Iran and ships and all that stuff. Yeah, it looks like we're being belligerent and hostile, but we may have already stopped a massive attack just by being there. So you really can't know how much good we're doing. Because we are silently protecting you from the danger that we are creating. Yeah, so we can live in peace. They might be going back in time and just killing baby bad guys. Yeah, if it worked for the United chance. States, so no one might have ever dropped a nuclear bomb. Oh, wait. <laughs> well, maybe before it was a lot worse. It was like 10 nuclear bombs. They went back in time and changed it. Well, you know Tesla's idea. If everybody had a super weapon, there would be peace in the world. That's so, kind of like a Second Amendment argument. Yeah, they locked him up in a hotel room, never to be seen again. Okay, keep going. That was very interesting. Just think about all the shows on television. And, <laughs> yeah. And now that you've heard that, think robust collaboration with the CIA and the FBI and sometimes the NSA. So like the and Twilight Department Zone. And the Department of Defense, he reiterated over and over oh, again. Oh, yeah, the, the DOD, yes. Require, get, gives, gives resources to them. Which yeah, they let them they use the naval planes. They let them, them to make right. propaganda films. Absolutely. Yeah, so th there is – and they've only gotten better. They do go on to talk about the – like the guy, the moderator is basically like – isn't this propaganda or, or walking close to that line, which is a hilarious walking close to that line? They've crossed that line, and everybody. It's, a, it's an arm of pro, it's an arm. It's a propaganda tool, first yeah. and foremost. Yeah, everybody on the panel just sat quiet, quietly, and then everybody started laughing in the audience. <laughs> and at yeah. one point, I don't think I cut this one. I might at well, one point. This is the CFR. Yeah, it's CFR panel. And it, it's it's just a panel on the National Intelligence Strategy for new knowledge that's emerging that's going to unseat them or give them problems. That's yeah, National okay. Intelligence Strategy for the New Technological Age, and they're talking about the threats to basically their power. And at one point, the moderator says, do our intelligence agencies traffic in disinformation or whatever? Again, everybody sits quietly. Everybody starts laughing in the audience, and uh, they kind of dodge the question. So, mm -hmm. Okay, here's the ne the next one. All right, this time, okay, yeah, this one they're talking about whether or not they lie. This might be the one I was just talking about, whether or not the intelligence agencies are lying. In the Cold War, we did all three things: we told the truth, we um, uh, uh, let lies circulate without trying to combat them, and we told some lies ourselves. Where's the right uh, place? Uh, for the U.S. intelligence community to be um, in the era, era of uh, new media? Should we lie and push back against other people's lies in that way? Look, um, I think it's important to note that this is a policy call. This is not a call that gets made in the DNI's office or the director of CIA's office. This is a call that gets made in the Oval Office about what kind of covert action you conduct and where you draw the line. Is that true that Absolutely any any true. any falsehood requires a finding? A falsehood, um, to, to put a falsehood out there would be part of a covert action which requires a finding, but more importantly, 
requires the knowledge of the entire national security team. I see. Right? I don't believe that last part. But of what do you course think not. That, How could it? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's con- that contradicts that manual that we read. read. Yes, yeah. which says you tell us people. I've seen that myself. You right. tell us, especially in actually the propaganda thing where it was talking about white, gray, and black propaganda. Yeah. You tell as few people as possible. And they do emphasize at the beginning of this. This is on the record. This is on the record, uh, not off the record. Uh, so. Which really literally means this is for – this is propaganda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what does what every falsehood requires a finding? What does that mean? I think? guess they're saying you – well, I don't know, but I, I was thinking that they meant you have to have a reason to do it. Okay. They have to find yeah. a reason – like they have to find there is a real problem or there's a real reason. Probable cause is how I'm thinking of it. But I, I'm just pulling that out of – Yeah, I wasn't sure either. I was trying to figure that out. There's something that I forgot to point out in that first clip. Did you notice what he said, the guy from the NSA, Leggett, said at the beginning? He said, when I was Snowden doing team. the Snowden, Snowden task team. force yeah. – Task force. Did you, yes. Were you aware of this? That there was a Snowden task force? So, no, but I I assume there was, but it's just preposterous because that's a complete psyop. It was called a Media Leaks Task Force, and it it was put in play to support interagency efforts to assess and respond to recent and expected media leaks on a robust and sustainable footing. So it looks like it just gave them the power to work across organizations and take a whole-of-government approach. Uh, This is interesting. I'll tell you why. I was very – the thing that gave Snowden away, besides some great work by Nomadic Everyman, formerly known as American Everyman, but what gave Snowden away from the get-go for me was the media coverage he got. Yeah. You can't name the other whistleblowers who are who were who I would think were legit. Like you don't know their names. It's like when the the UFO thing. It's like okay, so why isn't this on every channel? This is a kind of you right. know what I mean. So when so but what you're saying about the media thing is interesting because to me because they did the media element of the Snowden story was. A big part of the story, and even to the point where they made a movie, which they claimed was footage that they had filmed in real time when the original story was he was 10 minutes in this hotel room and then hightailed it to Russia, and these guys – there is a story of Poitras and whoever, Greg Greenwald or Glenn Greenwald, meeting him in his hotel room for a certain amount of time. They filmed that interview, and then he's in the wind. And then later there's a documentary that won uh, an Academy Award that has a bunch of footage that they claimed they they filmed around that time. It's just before he went to Russia where he allegedly still is to this day. So the media element of the Snowden story, I realize now, is an important part of the story. And what you're telling me is that they used it to analyze how to control the media in the new age. Yeah, and to implement a strategy to get ahead of the leaks. Well, the strategy is probably just telling them to vet everything, but they do that already, of course. Yeah. So here they're ta- – or a professor, a retired Georgetown professor, asked them about 
an interesting program that was implemented under the Obama administration. Tell me if you've heard of this program. A lot of Pakistanis died of, uh, of polio or trying to vaccinate from polio because of uh, the CIA uh, uh, fake vaccination program in uh, in Pakistan to, in order to get Obama. Um, I wonder Osama if you comment on the origin. Who had that bright idea? Yeah. There is a deep state. Um, uh, is it just? Can you address first the facts there? Did, did so, so many Pakistanis look, now die I'm from? Constrained. Um, but I'll say this: um, the, the your predicate of your question is not accurate. That's what I can say. Meaning that... That's all I'm going to say. That's, that's all I can say. Okay. Well, on a mysterious note, we'll uh, end. <laughs> say, thank you very much for uh, for being here. <laughs> Funny. We're all going to sit in our castles in the sky. Well, he was saying that it's not true that they put fake polio vaccines over there. That's what that guy was saying. That's what the predicate was, right? I have to go question? back to my grammar books. He said the predicate of your question. Predicate isn't that like the oh the basic assumption that they did fake vaccines? They did do fake vaccines. That's been very. I looked it up. Oh well, so he, I don't well, know what, what he's he saying was not accurate. I'm not sure. I, I think that it was there to get Osama bin Laden. Yeah, no, it was definitely used to get Osama bin Laden. I don't know. He was probably playing semantical games if he was going the to kids be forced. Died to... from it. That yeah, people, what he's saying. Yeah, the kid, that's probably the one. Yeah, the kids died yeah, from that's this. That's what he's saying. Yeah, because okay. I, I did. I looked this up. I was like, there's a fake yeah. vaccine program. There was. And this was prior to Osama bin Laden. Well, uh, when they say he was killed. Yeah, yeah, right. And what they did is the CIA organized a fake hepatitis B vaccination campaign in the area where he was suspected to be hiding. And what happened, there was a whole study that was done on this, is the – fake vaccine pro vaccine program it became public knowledge a couple of months later when it was reported on in the united kingdom and this caused people who were already suspicious of vaccinations over there uh, uh -huh. to be even more suspicious and the claim, <laughs> yes and the claim is that this resulted in more in polio spreading in this region because People were afraid to get vaccines, and militants intensified their efforts to disrupt vaccination campaigns because they saw it as espionage traps to collect your data and collect your DNA. Yes, it, it would be highly unethical to use a vaccine, something good. Let's say that there's a good program that they are going to discredit. But the the polio vaccine of all vaccines, this is what brings this, this is what raises a flag to me that this is all quite propaganda -y, or this is like there's got to be a word for it. Uh, I mean, not just a limited hangout, but it's the the secondary issue is the real purpose. They're sitting there talking about Snowden. They're talking about polio vaccines. If any vaccine has a questionable Backstory, it was the polio vaccine. Has it oh, yeah. like that it was really created to make people think they saved the world and that in fact it wasn't a good program or it wasn't really polio that people were getting paralyzed from. So in this in the stuff you're playing for me are all these little Easter eggs of stuff they're trying to shore up. Like when that guy said he was on the Snowden task force, I'm like, okay, you're either a fool or a liar. 
I mean, he's on the Snowden task force, but he's not telling us what that was. And Snowden was on it, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Snowden was on that task force. This you understand what I'm saying? It's like the trialectic. Oh, yeah. No, I got you. They, yeah. have a, they have a propaganda objective. Anything on the record, when you have off the record and on the record, then you're you're doing some propaganda when you're on the record. Right. And I'm saying I'm, I'm folding into my new expression, the trialectic. That, yeah, I like that. Yeah, you can look at the one side, look at the other. Okay. Did they have a polio? Did they have a vaccine program that killed people? Oh, no comment. Ha, yeah. ha, ha. But it's not, it's just, it's it's the core curriculum thing where the, Obama was the best, Obama was the best president, parse that sentence. It's like, we're <laughs> yeah. assuming that the polio vaccine, so, so you're saying, well, if the polio vaccine wasn't rock solid and people aren't are over there dying because we interrupted the vaccination program that is them giving casual support or verification of that there is no mystery behind vaccines there's no hidden knowledge there it's for real same thing with snowden yeah yeah they say that the main objective of this vaccination ruse was to obtain DNA samples of children living in the compound and compare them to the DNA of bin Laden's oh sister my gosh, you who know. died in Boston in 2010. You know, that's a big thing of mine is that you're having all these DNA, all these cold case files coming up in the news. It's like people falling to their deaths. Or that's why they want it from babies, yeah. Sick in the Dominican Republic. But they're making us want to believe in DNA, in everyone getting DNA. They're doing it by showing us that that will create this inescapable trap for criminals. Of course, it creates an inescapable trap for political activists as well. Yeah. But that's why I think we're going to get a lot of press on cold cases going forward solved by DNA. Yeah, and you're called a denier if you question anything about vaccinations, and here is evidence that whether – maybe it's not the way people might think that vaccinations might be used, but it's still evidence that the CIA will run a ruse using vaccinations. So, Well, the, there was an expose of vaccinations. Was it – was it the Rockefeller or I think it was a Rockefeller program in South America that a Catholic organization took samples of the vaccines and discovered that they were they had uh, steril sterilization drugs in them. They were oh, sterilized. Wow. Really? Yeah, I've I've looked at that. A couple, I, I mean, maybe. I don't. I have done that research more than once, but not for a couple of years. Who knows if I looked at it again? Would I say eh, I don't know about that? But I remember more than once finding that tidbit. You're right about what they're getting across with this, because the study and some other articles I found about this program come to the conclusion that the CIA slowed down the the worldwide the worldwide <laughs> elimination of polio, right. and they call people conspiracy theorists in these papers. Who question vaccines while at the same time justifying yes. <laughs> the questioning of vaccines within the paper and and conspiracy. Yes. By by revealing a conspiracy. It was like the Rod Serling thing you played the other day. It's like, so this letter writer shut our program down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's the letter. Right. He was he just seconds ago was saying, well, we all know letter writing is fake. It's like, well, <laughs> if letter writers, if conspiracies are not real, then 
how do you explain the conspiracy that you put fake vaccines out there? Maybe real vaccines are fake vaccines, not just your fake vaccine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> why, why is that like, like preposterous to think? Real news is fake news. Real vaccines, fake vaccines. And it's all it all comes down to the three rules of research. Authority, authority and authority. Yeah, you know, I got another panel I got to go through, which talks about the 21st century problem of fake news and how media literacy training for for kids is going to be one of the ways to solve it, which I I do agree. I just disagree with their form of literacy (laughs) training because I've seen it. It makes people dumber. It's illiteracy training. When which, my yeah. kids were applying to schools, it must have been in the in the memo to independent schools that year, yeah. because everybody rolled out there. I mean, the one of them was that like I started a club to debunk conspiracy theories. <laughs> it's like you're just such a lemming. You and then, suck up. Yeah. And then it's it's funny because in all these presentations, everything I saw, there were a couple of themes that media literacy stuff, conspiracy theory, debunking every single solitary girl like describes herself as like, I'm on the soccer team. I'm in the debate club. I'm in the feminist club. I'm a feminist. I've had 40 vaccines. Right. I can see her underwear sticking out under her skirt. I'm like, really? Like, are you so why don't you put some pants on and tell me what you have in your mind, feminist? I have vaccinations in my mind. But the other thing that they were doing was really, really funny to me was how they were talking about the courage to stand up against the crowd. Oh, my gosh. Like at the same time that they're like checking the box of all of my like robot propaganda pet peeves. (laughs) Every one of them like you're standing up against the crowd. Really? I mean, it's going (laughs) to get to the point where you're going to see. A crowd of 50 people circled around one person, beating the hell out of them, <laughs> all shouting, stand up to the mob, stand up to the mob. <laughs> What's the matter with you, you little punk? You're not standing up to the mob. Yeah. Yes. One but more I for to get my kids okay. to do that. Sorry, I try to, try to get my kids to not pick controversial subjects, but pick subjects we can all agree on, like we're against war, right? And they – that's just not in vogue. Like everyone, liberals think that's what they are, yeah. but they're not, and they're not being focused on that at all. So they're when engaged you... in, a, in an information war, which is one of the three yes. prongs. The main prong, Laswell dissected it, and this this is true in all the propaganda literature that you read for the past hundred years. Three prongs of war is the physical war, the economic warfare, and Information warfare, with information warfare being the primary one, with the other two yep. being adding on to the complementing that. I believe that, and their and their two greatest weapons are intolerance and censorship. Absolutely, and of course propaganda, but that's our. Would say that goes, that's saying, yeah, it works together with each other. This one's interesting. They talk about the role of deception in their work. I think there's um, there is a role for uh, for military deception in case of deceiving the enemy about your plans. We just celebrated the um, the uh, 75th anniversary of D-Day, and that was one of the best deception operations, military deception operations ever run. 
Um, and I think there is a role for something like that in an, in a country who's who values truthful information. Like there's like always been that role. So George Washington was mm-hmm. a master of deception, yep. right? Benjamin Franklin was a master of deception. John Jay was a master of deception. So our founders were actually very good at using deception to convince the British that we had better troops in the Winter of Valley Forge than they thought. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here today. So there's a long history of deception for military operations. But I think. Getting back to the technology piece, technology is changing the deception game in a big way. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about speed and scale with deep fakes. It's about deception, I think, historically, used to be an elite-level game, right? It was elites trying to deceive elites about what was going on. So the Cuba Missile Crisis, right? This was Khrushchev trying to deceive President Kennedy and his advisors about what he was actually doing on Cuba. Mm. But with technology now, deception has gone mass. And so now elites can wage deception operations deep in the societies of other countries, including the most powerful democratic countries in the world. That's a new problem for the intelligence community of how we defend against that kind of deception, how we recognize it. And then there are all the ethical questions of under what circumstances would we ever engage in the same kind of practice. Well, I mean, it's an open question, right, whether or not the U.S. engages in misinformation and disinformation in social media itself. Do we? So as of, as, of, as of August 2013, when I retired from the CIA, the answer was no. What about the Cuba program that we uh, launched? Um, it was a great series by the AP on testing social media in Cuba. Uh, does that ring a bell, Rick? Nope. The State Department. Uh, I, no, 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 no. This was a, I'm not making it up, I promise. This was a State Department program. That, it was not yeah. an intelligence okay. program. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now how shady their answers were and all of that. It's I haven't not, looked that program complete up. Complete lies I mean, because there was that rapper who was caught that we were putting up to bringing into Cuba to disrupt their culture. What about the 150-page slideshow I've read from about how we enhance dysfunctional subcultures, which could not be a more unethical, immoral, unjustifiable practice in a country that we have n- no business in, you're, you couldn't do that even as an act of war, in my opinion, is enhancing dysfunctional subcultures morally justifiable under any circumstances. Yeah. Well, they were remaining silent, and then when they owned up to one there at the end, they blamed it on another department. So yeah. my, my guess is that, that all of their answers would be, oh, that was this department, or that was the Army, or that was the Navy, or whatever, to try and divert yeah, I mean the fact that this is on the record is very clear because it is and then absolute everybody, propaganda. Yeah, everybody in the room is laughing at the brief pauses, uh, and everybody in the room – yeah, everybody yeah. in the room there it works at think tanks or their Georgetown professors. They know yeah. what's going on. It's not like random people in well, the street. Well, they don't know – Everything that's going on. I mean, I, I mean, with the answers of the people in front of them. I don't mean like. The yeah, big, and yeah. and they're they're they're. I I don't know how much the audience is in on this joke, but they're it's definitely a joke. And I, yeah, have you ever yeah. met any of these? Have you ever met like a high level, like a person in the CIA or military intelligence or whatever? Anybody hey, like I've that? Met people who've pretended to be that, <laughs> and I've right. kind of gathered that they weren't. I I met. I can think in my mind of three people who I have met, who are verified, they were where they were because they were had high positions in those kind of jobs. And I'll tell you, I think they believed what they were doing. I think they believed it. True believers. 
Yeah, I think that, I mean, high-level guys, I think they were saying, like, if only, then we could have, you know, if only we had done this better, we there wouldn't have been a 9-11. That's what you got to get. That's what. Yes, that's why yeah. they're there. But I'm just saying, like, you don't, I, you just don't know with, like, this panel and the audience. Yeah. Who's, and, it, like, academics, academics are the worst. The professors. Absolutely. Because yeah, they, yeah. they really, they, they have that ego thing, that thing that Woodrow Wilson had, Obama had, and many, many others, like, Jimmy Carter was, like, the quintessential example of it, like, where they, they are, they have this ego that makes them think that understanding, you know, it's the equivalent of understanding the Wall Street Journal means you know what's going on in the world. They're the primary targets. They're the first target yeah, because yes, of that, yes, because they're the easiest that, yes. to manipulate. That's what the yes. – the British mock them in their yes. correspondence with each other yeah. during World War One about how gullible and easy these uh, academics are. It's the ego. It, the yeah, ego it, the makes ego. you vulnerable. Because they because want you, a duke or a lord to come over to dinner one night, you know, no, so they'll no, do anything. No, because they think they're smarter than everybody oh, else. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they don't understand that they're being played, and the person who's playing them is likely an unassuming person. So they're in this elite crowd, and they're not – so I read about Skull and Bones once that – who knows if it's true or not, but the idea was one of the criteria for acceptance is that you're a follower, not a leader. yes. That you'll do. It's like what we were talking about. Like, is hypnotism real or fake? Are you just doing it because everybody else is barking like a duck or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> are you doing it for that? Are you doing it because you think you need to do it and that you're happy to get away with pretending that you're part of this crowd or you just don't think for yourself that kind of intellectual glass ceiling? I don't know, but I, it's hard to know what these guys are doing, but they are definitely propagandizing whoever their audience is here. Yeah. Absolutely, they're propagandizing. It's an itch. I'll link the full discussion in the show notes, and I'm going to watch the rest of it as well to see what see what else I find. So, moving to the next subject, Trump had his his. I guess he announced last night. Is that right? He had his big rally in Florida, where I think he officially announced. And we're going to see a lot a lot of these types of news segments coming up on the left and both the right. But what CNN loves to do at Trump rallies, they did this all the time in the 2016 election or campaign, is they love to go to Trump rallies and find street segment about uh, Trump. And they'll interview people on both sides, and they'll try to make whatever their side is look better. So I pulled a few clips from a CNN segment where they were doing that at Trump's rally last night, and uh, they're they're pretty funny. But it's just interesting to see some of these techniques that they use to deceive people. For instance, here, here's one thing that – well, this first clip is, is – yeah, this first clip they're talking to – they what they do is they do the narration. You know what I'm talking about? They they narrate the little segment. And they tell you what to think. Yes, and then they, they they have the talking points they're go, they're gonna put out anyway, but they want to make it look like it comes from the man on the street. So they'll go, so and so said that Trump needs to do blank or or this or that, and he needs to do it now. And then they'll cut to a clip of that person saying something just totally unrelated, but but because <laughs> they've already framed it, mm-hmm. you know, people just pass by it. So I pulled some clips of that. This one is funny, in my opinion. 
This is uh, CNN interviewing a Trump supporter outside the rally last night in Florida. Or this is from their segment anyway. Mike Peacock runs a golf cart rental business. He says he sees his neighbors talking Trump every night and says support for the president is stronger than ever. They love what most of the president's detractors despise. I like him because he is, he's sarcastic and I'm the same way. Is that what most of his detractors despise, that, that he's a smartass? <laughs> and is that what all the other stuff, that that's what the guy's neighbor like? Although you did say that. You've said that all along. People like him because they say what what, what you say, what you know, a person right. feels like he says what they're saying. But that's so not cheap. what his detractors despise. Yeah, yeah. This guy had no yeah. idea what the narration was going to be. You heard at the end he said he's a smart, he's uh, sarcastic just like me. Right. And this guy on the narr- narration is going, they like Trump because of, of the reasons that everybody else despises. So I guess they despise this guy too. Yeah, and I, but I impeach Trump, impeach Trump. Time Why? Time again. Because he's a smartass. You got to impeach. Sarcastic. Trump. Yes, because he's a smartass. They do say, but sarcastic. Sarcastic? Yeah. I Sarcastic. Mean, that's not even that's, the introduction not had nothing to do with the clip. Right. All right. Here's another one. These next two, they're just totally unrelated to. I mean, not even close to what the narration suggests here. Listen to what the narration suggests, and then what the lady actually says that he speaks with. Maria Reyes moved to Orlando from Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. She dismisses the intensity of support from Trump's base and argues Florida is shifting away from the president. It's not acceptable what is going on under Trump administration, especially for minorities, uh, for Puerto Ricans, and that's why we're here today. Maria Reyes moved to Orlando from Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. She dismisses the intensity of support from Trump's base and argues Florida is shifting away from the president. It's not acceptable what is going on under Trump administration, especially for minorities, uh, for Puerto Ricans, and that's why we're here today. Even mm-hmm. if someone came up to you and said, hey, what's going on? How do you feel about Trump? Well, I, I dismiss the intensity of support. For the base. <laughs> I argue that Florida shit. Nobody says that unless that you're in so commentary. Okay, I got it. Yes, yes. It was a talking point that they yes, had yes. accepted. Yes. And they just went, just stick a microphone in front of somebody's face. She, she could have, it doesn't matter what she said right there. 
It really was insignificant. And nobody would say stuff like that. I've written stuff like that in my notes, but you would never like explain that point to somebody. Those words would never, he would have, how would she have said that? It would have taken her a lot, like for him to infer that's what she meant. Yeah. If somebody walks up to you (laughs) on the street and you just right off the top of your head, you should get hired to work at CNN or wherever if you're you're coming up with those kind of. Lolita. Here's another. I love these because they do them all the time during election season, and they're always – it's like, all right, here's the 12 talking points that we're going to inject. <laughs> Just stick a mic in front of people's faces. Yes, Nobody will yes. listen past that. Classic, like, data mining. Somebody told me once when I was starting with radio, and it's just, like, would take me so long. I wouldn't even start to figure out what I wanted to say until, like, the end of the day – Right before the show, because I wanted to make sure I understood really what was going on. And someone said, no, no, no. You do it the other way. You figure out what you want to say and then find support for it. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, I yeah. think that's bad science. That is not a good scientific method. <laughs> not I mean... good research there, bro, but whatever. <laughs> All right, here's one more. Wes Hodge is the chairman of the Orange County Democratic Party in Orlando, he says Trump's divisiveness is waking up a new wave of voters. I think there's more excitement on our side because people now understand that every single vote's going to matter and that we, you know, some people were like, no, he can't win in 2016. And now that we've seen what's happened, people are energized like never before. Where did he talk about Trump's divisiveness? Anywhere? He said Trump's divisiveness <laughs> is waking up a new wave of support. No, that is pretty funny because there is absolutely no way that they're getting lengthy interviews with this, these people, distilling them into pithy but sophisticated sound bites, and right. then cutting to the some vaguely related, normal sounding one second, which is all they gave the guy to speak. Probably they don't even try to find something relevant. That's how yeah, like, funny. Sir, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about tr- – oh, I think Trump's divisiveness is waking up a new wave of – nobody says that. It's shit. like they have a bunch of clips, and it's like a kid's game and like two <laughs> columns. They have a bunch of clips on one side and a bunch of talking points on the other, and you have to like connect with us. Like it's kind of – it kind of means that. Yeah, you pair <laughs> you them together. That. And then like the li- the li- last two that are left, like, you're like ah, just put those together. <laughs> Sir, what do you think about Trump? Uh, penis, 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 penis. Exactly. <laughs> and what he means by that is this, it is critical for the Republican Party to rise above, blah, blah, you know, like they're yeah, just going yeah, yeah. to some okay. political diatribe for that has nothing to do with it. People at home shaking their heads. He's right. He's right about what he said. <laughs> so profound. Now, this is the guy wrapping up the segment. And Aaron, if you talk polls with any Trump supporter, they will tell you they are incredibly dismissive of anything that shows President Trump behind in any kind of polls. They look back to 2016 and like to claim that none of the polls were right back then. And they don't think that so far they're showing what they see on the ground out here. Aaron, I should have prefaced this with the whole time he was doing that little segment there, that little part. He was laughing, smiling mockingly as though Trump supporters are dumb for not believing the polls <laughs> and that they claim they claim that the polls weren't accurate last time. Right. Based on one 
rotten little election that is as closely relevant to this election as possible. And then what I don't like about what he said was all Trump supporters dismiss any argument about any polls based on this one totally valid data point. And he's got this shitty smirk on his face because he's an asshole the whole time. But but why – I mean it's just bad – grammar to say all and and any when it that can't be true yeah i think they put their new guys out on these little segments and i think it's like all right your job is to make every trump supporter look mm-hmm. like a complete asshole mm-hmm. and everybody else on the other side to just to look really smart and brilliant every and if they once can... in a while a memo like that actually surfaces yeah. like the memo where, where the guy said or like new knowledge was outed for being the bots. And there was one where like the word came down from Zucker not to be hard on Trump. I mean, yeah. that was very significant. Do you remember that? I do not. I don't oh, remember yeah. anything from yes, Zucker. Like the people at CNN were saying it was frustrating to them that the word came down not to be too hard on Trump. Really? Yes. I did I not did. I did a big – I did a really big article that I just kept accumulating all this stuff, including like when he says to Mika Brzezinski, nothing too hard, and she says, yes, sir, and then proceeds to hit it, throw him softballs. But I I think I have that in my – I'll try to find it for the show notes. All right. Okay, here's another little little piece of propaganda right here. This was a story yesterday that was making the rounds, and it was really stupid. Did you hear the story about Ocasio-Cortez calling – yes, concentration, concentration camps. camps. Yeah, it, it's a dumb story, and the fact okay. that people were having a debate about it is yes. even dumber. But and That's what Rush said today. At the same time that he was saying we should just ignore it, he dedicated a segment to it. And that's what I'm doing as well. <laughs> Yes, you are. I'm dedicating these two minutes because I Chris Cuomo Ugh. plays a, a blockhead better than anybody on television. Hate. He makes no sense here in this clip, but he says it as though it is such truth, and you should not question it. Steve Cortez with the new definition from her. I say concentration camps because that's how they are defined internationally. That's what these are. I am not uh, equating with stigma of the Nazis and the Jews. Leave that part aside. Satisfied? No, uh, Chris, that's a ridiculous excuse for a couple of reasons. First of all, we all know what the connotation of concentration camps is. If we went out on the street and asked 100 random people, Mm. 99 of them would tell us, uh, would give us an explanation or a definition that relates to Nazism. But secondly, and even more importantly, she used the phrase never again, which we know is specifically linked to the Holocaust, to the Shoah. And by doing that, she very much demeaned the victims of the Shoah, the victims of that horrific tragedy. Mm -hmm. She also demeaned, by the way, the American soldiers that smashed the evil perpetrators of that human tragedy. And I would also add this. She also demeans the current American citizens, many of whom are Hispanic, who do the very hard and dangerous work of guarding our borders. She equated them by association to Nazi SS guards. And that is disgraceful. AOC should apologize at the least and probably resign. One point of pushback before I get to you, Angela. You did not have similar problems with the phrase America first, which is equally stained, Mm. or the word nationalist, which is equally stained. No, yes, as a matter of fact, but why doesn't it bother you the same way? 
you and I have had this discussion many times about nationalism. I totally disagree that it's a stained word. As a matter of fact, you I may, think it's a problem word. American nat. Uh, well, no, I'm not wrong. You you don't get to define what nationalism yes, means I for do, me. Because nationalism has, has been used. No, you don't. Almost no, you don't. Exclu- and I'm, I'm, I'll make you a bet. American, Steve, let me look, know what movement defined itself as nationalism that was positive and not oppressive to another. What? American nationalism, and it was American, no American nationalism, nationalism that landed on the shores. Yes, yes, there is. Amer- Look, American nationalism, unlike ethno-fascism, you're trying to conflate these terms. Ethno-fascism is what the Nazis portrayed, and it was about race and blood and purity. American nationalism has nothing to do with race, no nothing to do with blood. It's not blood and soil. Right, look, it's I was about gi- our shared ideals, I was our giving constitution, you a about equivalency. our flag, our beliefs. Now, I know what you want it to be. It's called patriotism. That was one of the stupidest... <laughs> Two minutes of television. Who was the conservative? I don't know his name. He's on CNN all the time. He used to work in Trump's yeah. administration, I believe. He did good. That was a good answer. Yeah. And Chris Cuomo, you, you don't get to decide what nationalism is. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Nationalism He's a has- real dope. Like, I, I don't know about these days, but his early stuff was just. Listen to well, this at like the beginning again. I, I think CNN trains their broadcasters because i've noticed stelter does this all the time and i started noticing that their other broadcasters do it too is when they're listening i guess to feign like they're actually listening instead of just planning to say what is on their script they do this they go Hmm. Hmm. We all know what the connotation of concentration camps is if we went out on the street and asked 100 random people Mm. 99 of them did you notice it there yeah Random people, mm. 99 of them, mm. 99 of them. Mm. <laughs> mm. They'll do that. On Twitter after this, there was a bunch of tweets from people on the left, and they all kind of had the same format. And the, tw- the format was like, as someone whose family died in the Holocaust, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I say that these are very much concentration camps because – Mm, the mm-hmm. Holocaust mm. was a slow build, <laughs> and this is where it started is with caging people at the border. This is where it starts. So that that was the theme from Jewish people who said their families died in the Holocaust. Well, on the left anyway. On the right, it was the opposite. Who in their right mind before yesterday, if you said concentration camp, would say, no, that doesn't have anything to do with Nazis? Well, that <sighs> – Obviously, it's used to evoke that imagery. Right. And she also said, and you pointed this out many times, she said never again. Yeah, I have a picture of a a guy knew, my neighbor, who was Jewish, who showed me a picture of himself in kindergarten. And when he was in kindergarten, it was before World War II, it was after World War I, and the sign at his feet, I believe— I think says in German never again, but I have to. Yeah, you know, I think it was Hitler himself who used to say never again. He used to say never again, be duped by the money powers or something. Uh, the never again right. thing came from. Hmm. Uh, I'm not saying they don't use it now. I'm not saying that it isn't completely uh, a rallying cry for having yeah. not having a Holocaust again. Well, I'm they just recycle saying, slogans. They like they. Yeah, do but a they lot. but. But I'm but I'm saying like they were recycling what I actually think was something Hitler said, which right. is not great. That's like you don't you don't want to do you might not want to do that unless you want to own it. You know maybe you want to take it to just yeah. 
separate in that way. But there's this little picture of these little kids, and they all have these little Kaiser helmets on with the little spikes sticking up out of it. Yeah. And they're all in little, like, short pants and stuff. The picture's probably from, I mean, this guy was older than my mom, so he was probably born in 1920. So it's, like, probably 1926. It's a great picture. Uh, and I did send it to my German friend as soon as I heard that story and said, can you tell me what that looks, what that little sign says? So maybe I'll get an answer. Yeah. It's interesting that like here, the argument is that no, it, it doesn't evoke Nazis, Nazi concentration camps. Like that's kind of Cuomo's argument there, which is absurd. That's absurd. Of course. She said it if it didn't. Yeah. That's why she said it. It didn't. Right, but on social media, the argument was, yes, it's acceptable. Well, his argument was it's acceptable because it's it's not just for Nazis. The argument on social media is it's acceptable because Trump is Hitler. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. All right, so I got one more thing that I found interesting. It's an article from the Council on Foreign Relations on their website from August 1st of 2016, and it's written by – a guy named Sandro Gacken. He is a German technology philosopher and cyber war expert, a former activist in what's called the Chaos Computer Club, and he describes himself as a military cyber theorist and is director of the Digital Society Institute at the European School of Management Technology, and he advises the federal government and NATO on questions of IT, cyber warfare, and secrecy. So he's got some credentials, and here's the title of this article, and I could not find a follow-up article on this specific thing from him. The title is Blaming Russia for the DNC Hack is Almost Too Easy, and this is on the CFR website. The hack of the Democratic National Committee definitely looks Russian. The evidence is compelling. The tools used in the incident appeared in previous cases of alleged Russian espionage. The attackers have been known for years and have long been rumored to have a Russian connection. Other indicators such as the IP address, language and location settings and documents, metadata and code compliant point to Russia. The Kremlin is also known to practice influence operations and to leak before the Democrats' convention fits the profile, as does laundering the information through a third party like WikiLeaks. Russia may favor Donald Trump given his Putin-friendly statements and his views on NATO. Altogether, it looks like a clean-cut case. But before accusing a nuclear power like Russia of interfering, these arguments should be thoroughly scrutinized. A critical look exposes the significant flaws in the attribution. First of all, technical evidence can be spoofed. The CIA actually released uh, documents on that. I don't know if you remember. We talked about some of those on the show, how they can make it look like somebody else's fingerprint. Do you remember that? I don't remember the fingerprint part. By fingerprint, I mean like digital fingerprint. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, that I definitely got. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He goes on to say, although some argue that spoofing – the mound of uncovered evidence is too much work. It can easily easily be done by a small team of good attackers in three or four days. Secondly, the tools used by Cozy Bear, one of the hackers, appeared on the black market when they were first discovered years ago and have been recycled and used against many other targets, including the German industry. The reuse and fine-tuning of existing malware happens all the time. 
Third, the language, location settings, and compilation metadata can easily be altered by changing basic settings on the attacker's computer in five minutes without the need of special knowledge. None of the technical evidence is convincing. It would only be convincing if the attackers used entirely novel, unique, and sophisticated tools with unmistakable indicators pointing to Russia supported by human intelligence, not by malware analysis. The DNC attackers also had a very poor, almost comical operation security. State actors tend to have quality assurance reviews when developing cyber attack tools to minimize the risk of discovery and leaving obvious crumbs behind. Russian intelligence services are good. They are highly capable, tactically and strategically agile and rational. The shoddy work just doesn't fit with what we know about Russian intelligence. He concludes the article by talking about the company that investigated the server, and he says despite the what-ifs, the incident is serious and requires more thorough investigation and explanation than what is provided by a self-serving private sector IT security industry and hobby cyber analyst. So this guy was not convinced, and he actually points out a lot of the flaws that people in alternative media pointed out, but when they pointed it out, they were called conspiracy theorists and told they were carrying water for Putin. And this guy, I looked him up, and all I could find was another – they were anticipating that Russia, or that was what they were alleged to be anticipating, was going to hack the German election shortly after this, and nothing happened. And there's articles by – where they're quoting this guy where he's talking about, we were hoping something would happen because we wanted to catch it. We wanted to see what it looked like, but nothing happened. I just found it interesting that, that a guy who's a contributor to the CFR and an expert in this – doesn't wasn't convinced, and I haven't found any evidence that he ever was convinced that it was Russia that did it. Which that he's I, allowed he, to say it. What was the? Uh, yeah, where was he allowed, saying it? This is an article on the Council on Foreign Relations webpage. Wow. Well, they I guess they have to make it look like they're intelligent people having an go. intelligent conversation. There you go. Which is what we were talking about with the Iran thing is making it look like because. That's the thing that really has been bothering me, and I think you too about the Iran thing, is why are people openly questioning whether or not it was Iran? Usually you're not allowed to say this looks like a false flag. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I get the – I mean definitely I have been thinking that – I've been debating that. Is Tucker Carlson allowed to say that stuff to get credibility because he's being – Thoroughly groomed as the the you know, pillar of the new Republican propaganda, is he being allowed to say that? And yes, I think he is, but I think there's more to it. It's it 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 seems to smack now of the authority, authority, authority thing. It seems to smack of. Look, all this talk about whether it's real or not doesn't matter. We're telling you it's real, right. and if you don't believe it, you're unpatriotic. You're outing yourself as unpatriotic, and you better get used to it because in a world of deep fakes, you're absolutely going to have no way to use your own judgment anyway. Absolutely. There's no way we can tell, so we got to right. figure out which sources we can and, trust. And this could be why we've been saying for years now that they don't look at – they that we're supposed they're not saying we are the mainstream media we have the evidence we have the protocols we have the integrity they're saying we are the mainstream media we're the only ones you're permitted to believe 
Like for all this time, they're trying to discredit anybody else. We kept saying, why are you not at least trying harder? And, and, and it looked like they were trying to eliminate objective standards altogether. Yeah. And, and, and they're going to, if they can get us to believe that deep fakes are everywhere. Yeah. It really is mind scrambling when you have a whole week of news about the dangers of deep fakes and this deep fake, that deep fake, audio deep fakes. And then you have an attack, breaking news, Iran attacks a tanker. And then here's the video evidence. You just spent a week telling me that I can't trust videos. And now you're showing me video evidence. Right. And then they're following video evidence up with, well, here's more proof. Here's photo evidence. And I'm sitting here going, I don't believe any of it anymore. So you're right. Like the only way when when you know you can't trust what you see and hear, and they've been using that those words a lot on CNN, is uh, Trump is a president who's just trying to convince people that you can't trust what you see and hear, and then they'll play a clip out of context, which when you listen to the full clip, you'll see that they're lying also. Um, but I think you're right. You can only trust us, the institutions, the main networks that have journalists that have followed the uh, – that are credentialed journalists. And there, I bet there's going to be some more credentialing that goes on with this media literacy stuff. Like maybe you maybe you can only interpret the news if you've reached a certain level. You're like the black belt of media literacy in their book. Then you're trustworthy. Anybody else, anybody under black belt, you cannot trust. So well, trust What annoys me the most about this stuff – and first of all, I've always thought psychology and sociology – were created or corrupted to get us to disconnect our experience and reasoning, our learning yeah. from our judgment. So, and and one thing that bothers me about whatever they are doing in the sky, which at the, I mean, solar radiation management, whatever, every once in a great while you can see a plane go across the sky with like a little three-inch trail that disappears as it goes. Yeah. Those are the original contrails that we all know and love. The stuff that's everywhere in the sky all the time and changes the weather and makes clouds. No one denies that a lot of the clouds in the sky come out of the tail, whether it's the tailpipe or a different thing of the plane. People who call them contrails or chemtrails don't deny that they're coming out of a plane. Yeah. They're just saying, well, it's just naturally coming out of the water. But, But what annoys me about it is... You want to look at the world, at the sky and nature, and see something bigger than yourself, understand things, look around, get get a, a hang of like, oh, the, I know what a cloud like that means. It's going to be cool tonight. You know, you want to like feel like you're interacting with information that can enhance your understanding of the world that you live in. But I'll look at the sky now and I'll say, like, I most of those things came out of a plane. Some of them might not have. I can't tell the difference at this point as they intermingle. And I'm not I'm, you know, I'm not even understanding, like, the basics of 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 nature now because it's so artificial. There's just an artificial dome of whatever pollution even just over us. But that's the thing. It's like when they with deep fakes and. And all the BS, false flags, psyops, everything they put out there, they're doing it so to interfere with your judgment. And I and I just don't like that you cannot learn anymore. I can't say, oh, disconnected kids do bad things at school. I have no idea. I don't know if kids are doing bad things at school. They probably just have their face in their phones. They're probably getting all the yayas out. 
that way. They got their faces in their phone when they're allowed to have it, I guess. Uh, do, can they have their phones in class? I don't know. No, I'm just saying I don't – I really can't read the newspaper and read about school shootings or or anything that's that's got a, pol- a policy purpose and say, okay, here's a kid – Maybe he just had access to weapons. Maybe he just had SSRIs. Maybe he's um, disconnected. I, I don't even know if the event happened, yeah. much less what social ill we should be focused on. That's why I don't even want to give to charities anymore, like random charities. Yeah. I certainly don't give to anything I don't really know about. But it's just like I don't know what the problem is. You know, I don't I don't. Kids are hungry in America, and you're are you really getting them the the money for the food? Because half of the productivity of this country is going into taxes, and half of that is supposed to be feeding people, basically, or yeah. giving them the tools to feed themselves. So I just I, you just can't. It is mind scrambling, and and, and that's what they're going to. The deep fakes is the best thing that can happen. Right, to the mainstream you don't even media. have to have psychology and sociology anymore. They yeah, can they, generate, believe what you see. <laughs> I think you pointed it out. They're like, don't believe what you see. It's something else going on here. And they're like, ah, screw it. Just believe what you see. I didn't pull this clip, but it came up in another panel discussion from Brookings I listened to a little bit of. And they were talking about, and I believe you mentioned this a few weeks ago, how with the rise of deep fakes, that what's going to happen is they're going to emerge these uh, technological experts who can determine who are going to be the authority on whether a deep fake is real or whether it's fake. And these are going to be the people that you're going to see as the experts on CNN and the experts on Fox and MSNBC that are going to be the uh, arbiters of reality. You know, We're not experts. We don't know how to really tell if, if a deep fake is real because the technology is going to get so advanced. So we have to listen to this technocrat who's going to be an expert every night. And so we have to trust them because independent news sources, independent journalists don't have the credentials or the expertise to tell. So it's the best thing that ever happened to the mainstream media. Is they're going to have they're going to have unlimited access or they're going to be the gatekeepers to the technocrats. You know what I mean? I think you have to put it one more way. They're going to be the people who have access to the technocrats, and the technocrats who are the people who are going to be the experts in determining whether a deep fake is real or not or whether it's a deep fake. They're going to have – they're going to be the only ones that have access to those guys. Yeah, it's like divorcing us from the land. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. just disconnecting us completely from any personal interaction with the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be forced to trust these people, these, uh, quote, experts in a field which is is new to us, and uh, we have no idea who they are. We have no idea what their credentials are. They're just going to start popping up on mainstream networks when deep, when deep fakes come up, and whenever it fits their agenda for a video to be identified as a deep fake, it will be identified as a deep fake. When it fits their agenda for it to be identified as real, it will be identified as real. Yes, yeah. These people could be actors. They could have no technological expertise whatsoever. Yes, they right. Will be the experts, and they will exclusively appear on the mainstream networks. And I believe also that if you wanted to just divorce yourself from all this, from all the propaganda and brainwashing, I mean, the next generation is not capable of that anyway. Yeah. But if there is a psychological backlash and people just want to walk away and find a tiny plot of land to plant potatoes in 
there they will be demonized as the disconnected the way conspiracy theories and anti-vaxxers are demonized the disconnected yeah the, the unphoners are going to be that's good demonized. what do you think it's going to be called the disconnected the, the unphoners. unphoners that's unphoned. a good one i iphone unphone iphone unphone the phone the, the smartphone deniers just the I'm the telling. That'd be a good movie title. I would like to get a flip phone. I, mm-hmm. I haven't left my house without my phone for a long <laughs> period of time in a while. I just I don't know if I'm gonna have a psychological breakdown mm-hmm. if it happens. It's tough. I know I would constantly feel. I would just like unconsciously go feel for my pocket because that's just what that's we why do. I know I can always find my kids because there's just. No chance they're psychologically capable of leaving their phones behind. I only gave them phones like a year ago. Wow. They're yeah, oh, they're quick. psychologically incapable. There are times where I want to throw mine against the wall yeah. and like I stop looking at it this. It looks thing. like you have thrown it against the wall. My old one I oh. almost certainly did. So listen to this headline, which is straight out of Black Mirror. Sex doll maker creates replicas of dead partners to combat loneliness. Oh, that is literally out of a Black Mirror. That is an episode of Black Mirror, yes. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Like that would just be really weird. I mean I, I get the loneliness aspect, but if you went over to somebody's house and they're sitting at the dinner table and you walk in and you see what's Thomas clearly – Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, you see Thomas, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, Jefferson sitting there like – were you married to Thomas Jefferson? <laughs> no, I just mean like you could why stop there? It could be anybody you want. It could be why all your favorite. Stop there, yeah. It could be it could be all of your former partners. They and you could, could have them sell pieces of Elvis's hair. They could dig him up and sell his hair and DNA him to clones. You could have like thousands of Elvises. That would be fantastic. <laughs> There's a concert in Atlanta. A choir of Elvises. They're doing concerts like that now. There's a Roy Orbison concert in Atlanta. It's like fifty bucks, and it's his. It's a hologram projection. No way. That's the concert. Yeah. Wow. They started with someone who doesn't move much. They've done it with Michael Jackson, but they've just had him show up at concerts. They haven't done full – well, I haven't noticed full concerts. Of, this is a full concert that they're selling tickets to where the performers are both projections, holographic projections. We talked about those UFOs the other day and the suggestion that maybe those are holographic projections. Maybe they are. Maybe. I mean you're paying $50 to go see a holographic projection in concert. Who's che- is somebody in the front row <laughs> cheering, trying to touch? You know, You try to touch the performers. Throw, throw your, your underwear at them. Yeah, your bra up there at the holograph. It goes through them. Yeah. I wonder who's going to go to this too. As people who are like ninety nine years old. Although yeah, I like that old timey music, but I don't oh, see too. Yeah. I'm Jones, man. He's the yeah. best. See too many kids showing up. We got a few more minutes. If you got anything you want to lay out there? Nope. I think we ought to call it call it a show. Let's do it. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you, everybody who's donated and who has shared the show and supported us and continues to support us. If you want to donate, you can do so via PayPal or you can become a Patreon. You can join our growing Patreon group, and you can share the show with your friends if you want Monica to deprogram and short-circuit somebody (laughs) for you. She's very good at doing that. But only when the trolls call. I need more trolls on the WSB show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we did Wait, get a better few every the screener. Now. If we have a really good screener, we don't get the trolls. I gotta right. tell the screener, like, let the trolls through. 
very you're very good at handling trolls better than better than just about anybody that I've seen. Every once in a while you'll convert one. I know. You well, do that's nice that's what you, you do. Most I know, people I fight with them. You actually yeah. you get them to think a little bit. Yeah. It's a good so example. thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank okay. you, Monica, for your time and we will talk to you next time. Yeah, later. See you later.